Hi, I'm Dr. Adrienne McKeon, AKA the Story Whisperer. I'm here to help creators of all stripes to discover, shape, and share the narrative gems buried within them. This season, 2020 Hindsight, is all about recognizing both the challenges we overcame and the unexpected gifts we received from the unprecedented events of the year 2020. Life handed us a jar of expired olives, and we each made our own unique version of a quarantini. And if these inspirational stories should happen to inspire you to share yours, well, that's allowed. Hey everyone, welcome to the That's Allowed podcast. I'm your hostess, Dr. Adrienne McKeon. And today we're here with Simon Steven. Please introduce yourself, Simon. Adrienne, hi, hello from, uh, from Portugal. Uh, yeah, my name is Simon Steven and I, am, I love the format of this podcast. I love what you do. I was listening to one earlier on today. I was listening to the, um, the Joel Nest objectivity one. Um, I, I, I love it. I'm really, really stoked to be here. So thank you for having me. Fantastic. I'm so happy to have you. So the first question that I always ask, I'll just put it right out here. What story is the world not getting? It's, I've heard one or two of your listeners say the same thing, and I'm going to have to repeat that same thing. I, I tried to condense this and failed. Um, I thought, you know what, I'll put a couple of sentences together. It will sound great. But actually, it's a bit more complicated than that. So my belief is that whilst there is a, a, an increased awareness of mental health conditions and particularly suicide, which, you know, the rates are on a huge increase, coming from a corporate background and being involved in that high intensity, high stress environment, I don't think enough is being done to address what I would call corporate stress. Mm -hmm. And whilst businesses are paying lip service to mental health and they're talking about providing counseling and support for employees the truth of it is there's still a huge stigma attached to being to saying i have an issue and if we can't change the companies then i think what we have to do is we have to educate the employees to recognize what the signs of a burnout are and i am absolutely hell-bent in making sure as many people understand that as possible that's beautiful thank you so much for saying that i know there's a lot of people listening right now who are feeling a little burned out who are feeling a little stressed and I think you always know that, like in your body, in your soul, you kind of know when something's not right, don't you? You do. You do. Um, I think the problem, though, is it's a bit like the boiling frog analogy. If you're oh, yeah. involved in it, it's so subtle and it creeps up mm -hmm. on you and you don't even realize that it's cumulative. And when you look back on it, as I am now, and I'll take you through through my story, but when I look back on it now, now I can see it. Now I can see where it was happening. But when you're in it, when you're deep in and you're in that illusion of corporate, what the corporate world defines success as, you simply don't see it creeping up on you. And it led to me to getting to a point where I was, I cracked open the window of a 10th floor hotel room in London and was about to throw myself out. And it felt like it came from nowhere. Yeah. And for me, I think you're absolutely right. There are so many people who are suffering from this, but they can't quite put their finger on why. Right. And I think there's people around them, just like when you're in an abusive relationship, being in yeah. a toxic environment, you're surrounded by people who are telling you, no, 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 this is normal. This is good. You're fine. Don't worry about it. 
think you're right. And your book, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of, um, I don't know what you want to call it. It's almost like, um, it's almost like Stockholm syndrome. Yes. You, you, you sort of, you're involved with this thing. You're being told what defines success. And so you start to validate it. You start yes. to think to yourself, hey, you know, I, I'm doing the right things here. I lost track of the number of times my wife, my family, my friends would say to me, hey, son, you're not being yourself. You, you know, you're, you're not being a nice guy. You're, you're, an, you're being a real asshole in many cases. And, and my wife would say, you're not the man I married. And I'd dismiss it out of hand. I go, what are, what are you talking about? I'm providing for you. I'm, I'm, working my, mm-hmm. I'm working myself to the bone here. How can you say that about me? And it becomes this incredible indignance where you start to, you start to defend the very thing that is actually destroying you. And that for me is, that's terrifying. That's really scary. That's so true. And I really, I want to go back to that idea of Stockholm syndrome. That term, mm-hmm. by the way, is kind of problematic. But the, the idea <laughs> yeah. is that when you are in a situation where something or someone else seems to have the power, you really look up to them. And you really start to admire the pain that they put you through in a strange way. Yeah. Yeah. You can, I was talking to an ex colleague of mine the other day about a a trip we made to India. Uh, We went out for a week's business. I went out to India regularly and, um, you know, I, I, to give you a little bit of context, if that's okay, I just listed another thing because they're probably thinking who the hell is this guy who's, who's preaching this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm a Scotsman. I come from a, a, a really nice background. I've got great parents who worked hard. They put me through a private education. I did the usual kind of mucking about thing in my late teens, got into into working in sort of defense and that kind of stuff, and then kind of fell into a corporate life because I, I met a girl. Um, she had had our beautiful daughter, and I suddenly felt I had to provide. I, I, I had to be the breadwinner. And I want to point at this, say at this point that there's nothing special or remarkable about me. I, I've ne- I haven't walked up Everest on my hands and knees. I haven't rescued hostages from death before, you know, horrible situations. And in a sense, that's what almost makes it resonate more because what happened to me could really could happen to anybody. And I got into this corporate world and started off in sales. Everything was target driven. Everything was about achieving targets. Everything was about getting the bigger car, the bigger house, the bigger whatever it may be. And you, before you know where you are, you're, you're caught up in this, this trap. And I do see it as a trap, Audrey. And it's, it's yeah. something that you, you think at the time I'm, I'm in control of this, but you realize subsequently you were never in control. The mm. bosses were in control. The corporation was in control. And I was reading about, I don't know if you saw, am I, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention brand names on this, but a very well-known uh, Goldman Sachs were in the newspaper just a few days ago. Yeah. And a bunch of analysts had snuck in a PowerPoint presentation to a management meeting where they say, hey, listen, this is tantamount to slavery. We're yeah. doing 95 hours a week. We're having breakdowns here. And amazingly, the chief exec comes out and says, I'm so glad you brought it to my attention. Thank you so much for doing this. We're going to make rapid changes. Now, of course, the last thing he wants to make is rapid changes, because for as long as those guys are pulling 95 hour weeks, they're increasing shareholder value. But when you're in it, it's very, very hard to see it. And I think that's for me whether, and I use the term again, Stockholm syndrome comes in because 
it is like you're falling in love with your captor. You, you think you're doing the right thing because they're giving you a little bit of praise here and there. And that, that, that is as close as I've come ever to recognizing Stockholm syndrome in myself, that's for sure. I'm just seeing, it's so interesting. I'm seeing so many parallels here to, you know, to my story in abusive relationships. Yeah. And it yeah. really is. It's, 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 it's those little love kernels, right? They give you these little mm. validation crumbs and it, you live for that. You live for yeah. that and you will do just yeah. about anything and you will, uh, you know, betray your own values, betray your own integrity, do anything to get more of that. To get that. Yeah. And you know the worst bit about it is the bit that I realize now and I, and I, and I recognize with a sense of, I say shame, but I've actually used my shame, my guilt as a as a series of lessons, which which have really helped me in terms of my own recovery and how I've come out of this. And there's a positive story behind all this. I want to clarify and make sure everybody knows that. But what happens for what happened for me is the more I was abused at work, <clears throat> and when I say abused, I mean manipulated, controlled, led yeah. to believe that by doing certain things you get certain results. I started to manifest those same behaviors at home. Yep. So I became really difficult. I became a bad husband, a bad dad, a bad friend. I hurt mm -hmm. people along the way. I made decisions that looking back now, I think, how did I ever get to that point? And, yep. and it's this weird thing where there seems to be a correlation between the worst you're abused, perhaps you start exhibiting those same behaviors. The abused becomes the abuser. Absolutely. Yeah, I talk about that a lot, actually, how mm. after an abusive relationship, you often start to become the abuser in other relationships Absolutely. in your life. It's like, you know, That's they say shit rolls downhill and you find those yeah. people who you you can shit on and they will still stay around. And, and yeah. you do because it's like there's so much pain and you don't know how to process that pain. You don't know what to do with that pain. And so you use the model that you already know, which is, oh, well, then I put it on somebody else. Yeah. Exactly, and and the, the shit rolls downhill is is is, is spot on. I um, yeah. I, you know, I, if I think back to conversations I had with my wife or conversations with my children or with my friends, as I said earlier, I, I have a a deep sense of not shame now, but regret. Yeah. But what I've chosen to do is to take that and say, okay, so what am I going to learn from that? How am I going to make myself better? How am I going to improve myself? And you know, if if I think back to some of the things that were said to me when I was working. And, you know, I had some big roles, you know, this was, this was not a, this was not a small career. I, I ran the international arm of a, of a major management consulting firm, global consulting firm. I, you know, helped, uh, I helped uh, with a half billion dollar transformation program in banks. I, I helped write and implement a, a counter espionage system in one of the biggest banks in the world. I've done some big, big roles and was rewarded accordingly. So, you know, I flew everywhere, business, went first, I had a big car, the houses, the whole thing. That was all cool, right? That's what I thought. But when I think about the conversations I've had with people since, where they've said, the more you had, the worse you became. The more you got, the more obstreperous, the more difficult, the more, of a, in my wife's words, the more of a bastard. And it got to a point where... I mean, if I think about the week where I, where I attempt to take my own life, I had had a, a really a, a typical week. I was working 15, 20 hours a day. My five days a week away from home were becoming seven days a week because I find it, you know, I need to stay in London this extra day. I'll, I'll stay till the Saturday. And then you get to the Saturday and go, 
well, look, I've got early morning meetings on the Monday, so I may as well just stay in London on Sunday and prep. And then the next thing is, it's Monday, and you've not seen, not been home for a week or whatever it may be, right? So I'm doing that, been out for a big boozy dinner with clients, you know, one of these ones that cost thousands of pounds, and the majority of that spend is booze and alcohol. Um, by this point, I'm addicted to painkillers and meds, mm. um, and I'm not getting enough from my own doctor, so I'm now buying them off street dealers. Yep. In London, in LA, in New York, or wherever I was, I was able to find dealers who were selling me painkillers. Tamazepam was my drug of choice. You know, th- this is this is getting serious. Drinking a lot, the whole thing. Been out for this dinner, came back to my room, remember checking my email, and it was 11.35 at night. The next thing I'm aware of, I hear a siren. And I'm thinking that it must be an ambulance or something. And I suddenly realized that I am literally hanging outside my hotel bedroom window. Wow. I forced open the window. I was sitting on the ledge. My feet were dangling over the edge and I was leaning forward. And I had a moment where I thought, God, I'm about to jump. And I thought, what a mess I'll make for the ambulance crew. So I came in from the window, kind of, it was almost like I'd come out of this trance or woke up somewhere, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And realized that I had written a letter to my wife and my children, which I still have to this day, where I had confessed all my sins. I said how sorry I was, that I was ashamed of my behaviors, that I'd been an awful husband, awful dad. I'd folded my clothes. I'd left money for the housekeeper because I knew it, you know, they'd have to clear up my stuff the next morning and I wasn't there. And I sat and sobbed and I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I, I just, it, everything hit me at the same time. It was huge. Um, and for, for me, the, the thing that upset me the most, and I think the reason that started me on this path to trying to talk to people was that it came from nowhere. It felt like it came from nowhere. I realize now that it was the boiling frog thing. It was just a little bit after a little bit after a little bit. It was all added on until one night, that perfect storm in my head where I didn't want to go home because my wife hated me. I didn't want to be at work because I hated my work. I didn't want to do And it was awful. And if I, if me talking to people in, in, in medium like this, if this, if one single person says, you know what? I heard what you said and I went and spoke to my wife. I went and spoke to someone. For me, that's job done. That's, that's what it's all about for me now. Was that too rambling? Did I go on too much there? Beautiful. No, no. Yeah. I'm just letting that settle for a minute. And I have so many follow-up questions. All right. I want to say, <laughs> but first I want to say, you know, that frog and boiling water thing, that is a real, real phenomenon. And mm. I think people who who haven't found themselves in someplace quite that extreme have a hard time wrapping their brain around that. But I want to say, once you're on a road, once you find yourself, it's like your feet are pointed this way, you know, it takes a lot to kind of knock us off of that road. It takes yeah. a lot because momentum is a thing, right? Once you go start going in a direction, it's like you're going to keep going in that direction until something stops you. And as long as something's tolerable, we tolerate it. Mm. until something happens and it's no longer tolerable. And then we realize now I have to change. Now I have to change direction. But once you realize where you're headed, once you realize like what your feet are pointed toward, you have an opportunity in that moment to change before you hit that rock bottom moment, before you find yourself on that ledge, which was quite literal 
for you? Uh, and you have hit the nail on the head. For, for me, I know, so part of my reinvention, which is a bit of a grand expression, I hear people using that all the time, reinventing oneself. But part of that is looking at how I can take what I've learned and my experiences and the skills I have to help other people. So whether that's through motivational speaking, whether it's through coaching, which I love, talking to individuals and so on, the very fact that they're talking to me says that they have had that moment of perspective that has prevented them getting to that window ledge. Now, for me, I had to lose everything, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Now, I say lose everything. You know, I'm still sitting here, right? I've got a beautiful little hill farm in Portugal. I've got a great family, kids, all this kind of stuff. I'm not. I'm, I'm a lucky, lucky, lucky human being. But what I mean by that is that I lost everything temporarily. I, 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 my wife was red flagged, red flagging. I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I don't like you. You're not the man I want. My kids didn't want to engage with me. My friends didn't like me. There was nothing I had from material sense that made any difference. Yeah. That was a huge one for me. Was going, you know what? The cars in the driveway and the holidays, the rest of it, that means nothing. Nothing. It just means nothing. It's extraordinary how it, it's extraordinary how it hits you. But for me, it meant losing pretty much everything. If I can help people avoid getting to that point, to that extreme, then I'm happy. That feels for me like the right thing to give to people, is that opportunity to disengage, to point the feet on a different road, as you put it. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, an old Turkish proverb I love to quote, which is, no matter how far you've gone down the wrong road, turn back. Great. Great. Well, I'll, I'll take I'll take your quote and I'll raise you one. I, I, one of my favorites is, um, the sincerest form of apology is a consistent change of behavior. Hmm. Oh, that is gorgeous. I love that. Gorgeous. I absolutely love that. My, my wife, went, when this all transpired in the days that followed, mm-hmm. my wife and I talked, really talked for the first time in years. And she said, you know what? You can't say sorry to me. Mm-hmm. You can't say I apologize. I'm going to do it. She said, you can say that to the blue in the face. It's not going to make any difference. What I need to see is demonstrable change. Yes. And for me, that, is a, that takes time. It takes effort. It takes energy. But every day you do it, every day you change your mindset towards one of love and kindness and care, it gets a little bit easier and you feel a bit more fulfilled by it and you feel a bit more grateful by it all. And it is the most remarkable place to get oneself to. And, I, and I'm still, you know, I'm early days, it's three years. That's, that's it. It's only been three years since I was at that on that window ledge. But the joy and the satisfaction I'm getting from having a different approach to life is just, it's fundamental for me. And I recommend to anybody, you know, if you start your day and end your day with gratitude and love and kindness, it's amazing what you get back from it. And I, I want to talk more about that journey from the yeah. ledge to, to here. I want to hear yeah. more about that. But first, yeah. I just want to say, you know, I think... It's so, you've touched on so many just deeply important things and I don't want those little gems to get lost in here. And so I really want to reiterate, you know, when you say that your wife needed to see change and you said change takes time, it isn't that change takes time. We can change our minds in a moment, but what takes time is habits, creating new habits takes time and your mind gets into this little 
rut and it's like a record player you know it's like stuck on the one little thing and it's playing over and over and over again and you have to deliberately pick up that little needle and put it somewhere else you can't just be not there right you can't leave the needle hanging but the needle's got to go somewhere and so i always say to people you need a new game you need to re-engage your brain in a new game and so you talked about gratitude you talked about, um, I'd love to hear more about the specific new games that you created for yourself and tools you used to get to where you are now. Sure. So tell me about that journey. So the first, I mean, the first thing that for me was, was, was the most important of all was a realization straight away that I couldn't remain in that career. Yeah. I, I couldn't be half in, half out. Yeah. It, it would simply drag me back down again. Um, and so I had to do something that would take me out of my comfort zone. I had to do yeah. something that would take me away from that comfortable life because part of this demonstrable change thing that I wanted to exhibit to my wife was a willingness to do something completely new. That we as a couple, as a family, had to make a huge, a radical change, so to speak. So the first thing was, we know what, let's sell the house. Let's go and do something crazy. What are, you know, what are we going to do? And there's this... This, this hill farm in the Alentejo in Portugal, which is between Lisbon and Faro, and it's old country. I mean, real old country. There's nothing modern here. This is this is old school. It's like it's been trapped in time and hasn't moved mm-hmm. on past the 1900s. It's wonderful and brilliant at the same time. That was step one. Step two was to really try and get to the bottom of the causes. It was all very well to say I need to understand myself, but I had to understand how I'd allowed myself to get there. What were the drivers? What were the things that were that were that were so important to me that caused me to lose all the all the stuff around it? And of course, that was money. That was material. <laughs> that was all the stuff that big corporates say that you should be interested in. It was the golden gecko, greed is good stuff. Yeah. And none of it brought me happiness. Not one single bit of it. Now, I'm not saying that it is easier to live without money than with. I'm not saying that. And there will always be people, quite understandably, and I'm a great believer that people should try and do as well as they possibly can do, but it should never, ever be at the cost of your happiness. Mm -hmm. Ever. And that's a huge part of it. Third element for me was talking to my friends and family. Yeah. What was I like? Tell me what I was like. And you know what? That's hard. Oh, yeah. When, you, oh, when, you're, when your friends and your family are saying, mate, we hate you. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to hang out with you. We don't, we don't like you. When your kids are saying, we don't even know you properly. Don't want you to go to school with us. We don't want you to take a school. We don't want to see you. And when your wife is saying, and this is a, this is a big one, and forgive the crudence, when your wife says, it actually makes me feel sick, the thought of having sex with you. Wow. I dislike you so much that I feel I have to do it out of duty. Wow. wow. Now, now tell you, that, that hits you. Yeah. That really hits you. But you've got to do it. Because if you don't hear those things, if you don't get the warts and all, if you don't have that time period afterwards to go, oh my God, and hold your head and think, I, I can never let myself get back to that situation again. You'll never get yourself through it. But then for me, as the, as the sort of the key part is that I started saying, okay, so how can I take all that stuff and how can I start applying it 
to my change? How can I start? So habits, you talked about habits. So let's start thinking about my fitness, about my diet. Let's start thinking about what time I go to bed at night, what time I wake up in the morning, what my activities are during the day, how I speak to people, how often I speak to people, making things like, um, you know, actually making a list out of when was the last time I spoke to my friend John? When was the last time I spoke to my friend Dara? When was the last time I being becoming more religious about maintaining that communication, talking to people? And what I found was that the more I did this, the more I felt in control of myself, the more I felt healthier as a whole, the better, the more responsive my wife was, my children were, my friends were, and that in their happiness, in their smiles, in their kind comments, I was drawing strength. It, it was beautiful, actually, when I look back on it. It was, it, it, people told, I, I heard you talking to, uh, to one of your guests the other day about what color energy was flowing out of her body. And she's talking about multiple colors flowing out of her body. And, and I'm, look, I'm a 47 year old guy who for years was really cynical about all the kind of spiritual stuff, but I'm kind of warming to the idea of it, but it was almost visual. You'd feel people's warmth in the sense you feel strength and you'd think I'm on the right track here. I'm doing the right things here. And my relationship with my children has never been stronger than it is right now. My relationship with my mum has never been stronger than it is right now. Now, and to, to tell you a sad part about all this, is that in December just passed, my wife and I sat down and she said, you know what, I've dedicated my life, so many years of my life, to helping you and supporting you and managing you. I've never had any time for me, any life for myself. Mm -hmm. And we've agreed to, we actually separated. Mm -hmm. And she's now living in another country and she's really looking after herself. She's doing what she should have done for years, yeah. but I never gave her the opportunity because I was so, she was so, everything was so encompassed around me. Everything was around how do we manage him? How do we keep him straight? I never gave her the opportunity to live and breathe. And because of this change in me and because I'm a different, very different person now, I can actually support her decision. I miss her. I hurt, of course, yeah. but you know what? She deserves it. She absolutely deserves an opportunity to grow and flourish and thrive. And actually, I'm going to be okay, Adrian. I'm going to be okay. I've got a good life. I've got good friends, good family. I'm going to be great. Now, if you'd done that to me, if she'd done that, or we'd come to that conclusion three or four years ago, mm -hmm. oh boy. Would have devastated you. Oh, I'd have been aggressive, belligerent, difficult, argumentative. I'd have thrown the toys out of the pram. Yeah. So if I can see where I am now compared to then, I know I'm on the right path. Huge. And, and so I'm just going to keep doing the same things I'm doing. Just maintain the habits, the good habits. Yeah. It sounds like you're making really deliberate choices and just mm -hmm. making sure you follow through on that. It's such a simple yeah. thing, but it makes such a big difference. It, it does make a big difference. And at the same time, I, I, I've been a number, I've read a wonderful book, which I recommend to all your listeners. Um, by a guy called Shaka Sangor, um, and it's a book called Writing My Wrongs. And he was 18 years old and he was involved in a homicide and he was found guilty of second degree murder. And he spent 20 odd years in jail, rough, hard jails, in which a large portion of that, he was in solitary. And he wrote this book because his journey through prison was about 
learning to forgive himself and understand the causes and how he got there. And then it was about giving back. He realized that the key to a happy future, to a balanced future was about how much he gave to others yeah. rather than how much he took for himself. And I'd taken that as a bit of a mantra. So I, I, I look at my farm and I think, okay, well, I've got this great place and I get, it's hugely calming for me. And it's this reconnecting with community and my family and, I can disengage from the world. Well, how can I give that to others? Well, you know, I could open it up as a retreat. Mm-hmm. I could let people come and stay here. And actually, you know what? I'm starting a winery and I grow grapes and I've got olives. I've got an olive, uh, um, uh, you know, a load of olive trees and cork trees. And what if the people came out here and they helped with the olive harvest or they helped with the grape yes. harvest? All this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. that process of getting back to nature and back to community, and you turn your phones off and there's no Wi-Fi, you know, there's Wi-Fi in the house, but there's no mobile signal. You, you know, you want a mobile, you want to make a mobile call here, you've got to climb a tree. Yeah. Perfect, right? So and then if I couple that with my motivational speaking and my mm-hmm. coaching and other things, you start to go, this is awesome. This is yeah. really cool. I, I can actually help other people. The sense of satisfaction, the sense of fulfillment, is unlike any contract I ever signed. It is it is better than any deal I ever struck with anybody anywhere in the world. It makes those seem paltry by comparison. And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And it's a I'm genuinely excited. Yeah, I'm you know, as I said, I missed my wife, right? But I'm so excited about my future. So excited. It's brilliant. So you know that my dream is to have a retreat as well. So I I just feel that so deeply, just the beauty of, you know, what I want to do is create a food farm where people can just come and, you know, pick their own food and make their own stuff. And so, oh, but there's so many things you said that I wanted to, I I didn't want to interrupt you because you had such a beautiful- No, I'm sorry. I I have a tendency to interrupt. Yeah, I was in sales, you know, what can I say? It's great. And I, that's why I have this podcast is to get stories and to have storytellers on. So you're a natural storyteller and I absolutely love that. But I did want to say a few things. So you talked about the comfort zone and this is one of those things that people say all the time. But the thing is, it didn't sound comfortable to me at all. Yeah. where you were at right it sounded very yeah. uncomfortable it's just the familiar yeah. zone it's the zone uh, that you're yeah. used to right it's the devil you know yeah and so often we get caught in this trap of feeling like well this is my comfort zone no 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 that's just your familiar zone the comfort mm-hmm. is something you haven't even experienced yet because yeah. when you're alignment with your true self and your true desires that's when you experience true comfort yeah I wanted to say, I totally relate to the feeling of, you know, you shine a flashlight on all your faults and say, hey guys, tell me what's really going on. And there was a period where, you know, my, my, my best friend in the world, my adopted sister, Rebecca, stopped speaking to me because I was just being awful. I had just gotten out of this terrible abusive relationship and I was treating everybody like crap. And she just couldn't be around me. And she said to me, you know, you know what love is, but you don't know what respect is. And that blew my head open because I thought I knew what love was until she Mm. said that. And I realized, oh, wow, respect is a prerequisite for love. If you don't respect yourself, how can you love yourself? If you don't respect others, how can you love them and vice versa? So that was a huge thing for me was just recognizing that I needed to understand respect before I could understand love. And when you said that about your wife, 
and respecting her space and letting her finally have that moment to align to her true self, mm. setting her free to do that. That sounds like love to me. That sounds yeah. like love to me. And that's beautiful. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I'm not going to lie to you and say that in the initial moments, you don't revert oh, yeah. to type of <laughs> Of course. When you make a decision, suddenly you go, wow, hold on, I'm about to be on my own again. Because my kids are grown up, right? I, I, you know, it, it, I'm, my daughter listens to this, she'll be horrified to hear me say this, but you know, I'm kind of hoping for grandkids in the next few years. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I'll be a young granddad. I kind of like the idea about being quite a young granddad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in those initial two or three weeks after we sort of came to the conclusion, you know, I was in a lot of pain. I, I cried. I was upset. I was angry. I was, I was thinking. But what was fascinating for me was that my anger literally lasted the day. Mm-hmm. I, I was amazingly emotionally hurt. I was very emotional because of that loss of familiarity. How am I going to be here on my own? And I'm, everything's going to remind me of you and the songs are going to remind me of you. And what about the dogs? And what about the olive trees and all this stuff, right? Everything yeah. seemed to have a connotation. And then I flipped into the next phase, which is anger. And I recognized it instantly. You just went, whoa, no, not doing this. Not doing the anger thing. Let's get out of that one. So then I moved into the acceptance phase mm-hmm. and went, okay, okay. So what does this actually mean for me? So how do I, how do I live on my own here? How am I going to go forward? And then that beautiful one, that transition where you suddenly go, actually, I'm going to start being pleased for you. Yeah. I'm, going start, I'm going to start actually supporting you. Now that doesn't mean I want us to be best friends. I want to hear about your new boyfriend. <laughs> right. Of course. Just keep that apart. But you know what? I, I want to meet you in a year's time or two years time or five years time. And I want you to say, I loved being married to you. You were, you know, I loved what we did. We accomplished something amazing and I've gone on to have a great life. But likewise, of course, the, the, the egotistical bit of me wants her to go, wow, you look so good. Why did I leave you? Why did I do it? Of course, <laughs> I mean, I'm human, right? I'm of a course. human. But just knowing just being able to spot and recognize that anger and flip out of it. That for me was, it was brilliant. It, it was just a, it was a huge signal to me. You're on the right track. You're doing yes. the right thing. And that, that was awesome. Well, Truly you recognized awesome. what you do and do not have control over, right? Yeah. What you yeah. have control over is how you respond to things, your Absolutely. emotional response. So you recognize Absolutely. that anger, you go, okay, hi, anger. What are you doing here? What do you have to teach me? Okay. Well, I got that. So you can go now. I'm good. I can move on. But it's the recognition bit that I think is fascinating. You talk about Rebecca, your sister, and and, and there are some signs. There there are some signs that I've got. So I've spoken to a lot of ex-colleagues, and I've also actually done a lot of homework and sort of research into this and so on. And there are some signs that exhibit whether it's a work-related stress or relationship stress or, or, or anything else, the, you know, the, the, the typical ones where massive changes of behavior, you know, weight gains, um, you know, whatever, erratic behaviors and so on. Yeah. But there are some that I do feel are what I call more specific to a corporate environment. And it's when your views about what is right and wrong, mm-hmm. when your ethical and moral compass is so skewed and you start treating people in ways that you would never have ever thought about doing before and yeah. subsequently look back on and go, my God, I can't believe I did that. When you're hurting people, mm-hmm. that 
in my experience in talking to people, it seems to be a consistent thing. A lot of a lot of partners of corporate employees will talk about how mean their husband or their wife or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or whatever it may be had become. Yeah. That they didn't care about who they stepped on. They didn't care about what they said to people. That they'd become rude, a very intolerant, secretive, a lot of secretive behavior stuff, hiding their bonuses, hiding how much money they earned, becoming resentful about their partner spending money. Right. These things seem to be common within that corporate stress breakdown, that spiral. Um, and it's so vital that our loved ones tell us what we were like. It's vital. And you might not listen to it at the time. There were a thousand occasions where my wife said to me, you're not the man I married. You're not being a nice guy. But I didn't listen to it once. But it doesn't mean that she was wrong to keep repeatedly telling me. Mm -hmm. She had to keep trying. And that's what I would say to loved ones who are listening to this, who recognize some of these signs within their loved one or family member. Don't stop trying. Keep yeah. knocking on that door. Keep because one day the hope is that that person will go. Shit, really? Yeah, you're right. Actually, I recognize it myself. That's that's a key moment. Yeah, I often say, even if someone can't hear you when you tell them something, it gets in there somewhere, mm-hmm. and at the right moment, it will fit into that little slot, and they'll go, Oh, yeah, that's what okay. you mean. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what they meant. You know, some huge lessons learned over the last three or four years, but that the value, the value in listening to your listening to your loved ones and friends to understand what you were like or how you were being, I think is invaluable. Really so what are some other takeaways you want to make sure people walk away with today before we go into my favorite exercise? Hmm. There, there are three or four kind of bigger ones. I, I, I've written a, a course which I coach people mm-hmm. on, I think people throw around lessons, learns and the signs of a spiral and all these kind of things. But there are three or four key takeaways. Um, and and for me, the first one is that you'll hear lots of people talk about saying, oh, you should speak to someone. If you're feeling a bit unwell, you're not feeling right, you should talk to someone. But before you can talk to someone, you have to recognize it. You've got to recognize those signs before you get to a point where you say, Do you know, I recognize it, now I can go speak to someone. So. For me, it's about understanding what those signs are. Write them on a board. I, I'm happy to send what I've learned and my learnings to anybody who emails me. Don't I'll, I'll email the world. Put those signs up on the brick, on the fridge, on the refrigerator, so that you check them off regularly. So, the first one is to recognise your signs. The second one, um, and and it's a it's a bit of a strange one, but it's put value at the heart of everything you do. Think about how does this thing I'm doing give me value and how does it give value to someone else if it only gives value to yourself if it doesn't benefit anyone if it's purely selfish kind of ask yourself the question do i really want to go down this way if you start if you start attaching if you start doing things that are valuable to other people as well as yourself to loved ones or whatever you'll get far better results in my experience and the third the, the really big one and it was something i was taught by my wife and, and I will love her forever for t- teaching me this. She said, every day, ask yourself the question, does the good outweigh the bad? Mm-hmm. The day you wake up and the bad outweighs the good, you have a responsibility to yourself to make that change. Mm-hmm. No one else is going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. You have a responsibility to yourself as a human being. And I love that. So I do that every day. When I go to bed at night, I ask myself that question, does the good outweigh the bad? 
And if there's a bad bit, I work out what I need to do to change it. And I think they're, they're my three key, key takeaways. And, and this is appropriate and, and valid. That's the dogs you want me. Yep, Did you hear yep. that? Um, yep. That's them getting bored of my conversation already. They're they, just uh, chiming in. They just want... want yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. You know, <laughs> it's the pro- this, is, this, is, this is useful in my view for anybody who's thinking of going into that high-paced, high-intensity, high-pressure corporate world. Yeah. It's useful people who are in there and may be listening to this and recognize a few of those signs. But you know the ones I think that will get the most from this are the people who see those signs in loved ones. Yes. They'll hear this and go, Oh my God, that's that's just what my husband's being like. That's just what my you know, my girlfriend's being like, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And with those people, I will happily speak to them all day and tell them and give them advice on what they can do to reach their loved one. And if we can save a life doing that, phew, great, awesome. And even, even the dogs agree, as you can hear. Absolutely. So let's take a moment now. I want you to, if you can, just sit back, relax. You can close your eyes if that feels good. And just take a nice, deep breath in. And let it out. And this time when you breathe in, I want you to see colored light come into you. What color was your light? Blue. My favorite color, blue. I love blue. Wonderful. So do that a couple more times. Just let that blue light really fill up all your nooks and crannies. And then let it out. And as you're breathing, I'm going to wave a magic wand over here. And now everything is exactly as it should be. And I don't just mean in your life. Everything is exactly as it should be. There is no more of that scarcity mindset that is making people do these terrible things to other people to try to get stuff that they don't need. That's all done. And I want you to just look around this ideal world and tell me what you see what you hear, what you can feel, taste, touch, smell. What is here? I'm still here. I'm still at the farm. Beautiful. Um, <laughs> I, there's a, I can see a grandchild running into mm-hmm. the house. <laughs> Not to put too much pressure on my daughter. <laughs> I, everything's possible in this world so yeah. she's she's uh, delighted uh, uh, in this ideal space right so you've got this I beautiful mean, grandchild and what emotions come up for you when you see this child that she loves me or that he loves me that they they love me being their granddad that they i'm here and i know i'm about to have a really good day I've maybe got some calls, some coaching calls, or there's there's people here. They're working and they're, they're maybe doing the grape harvest. There's people here, and I'm with someone who really likes what I am and who I am. And I can see the grandchild running in and saying "Granddad" and jumping on the bed, and it just feels love and warmth and joy and 
it's it's simple but beautiful i think is the only way to describe it so you're there kind of cuddling with your grandkid and i want you to smell the smell of amazing delicious food being cooked someone who is here has decided that they're going to surprise you with your favorite food what can you smell <laughs> it's it's a full cooked scottish breakfast <laughs> <laughs> naturally it's a full cooked scottish breakfast <laughs> and it's heaven on a plate mm. um, it's coffee it's the smell of coffee mm-hmm. it's the smell of toast it's the sound of a radio it's maybe my daughter or my partner singing or listening to the radio and it's just warmth it's, mm. it's just a, it's just a smell of happiness I, if that doesn't sound too obscure it's i know when i get up and i go through they're always smiling and they're relaxed and everyone's chilled out and happy and enjoying being each other's company and it's just yeah it's complete boundless love and care and affection there's a portuguese word colo and it means care and affection it's perfect for colo yes yeah. so i want you to let that wash over you for a moment as you're enjoying this perfect breakfast this person has decided mm. to to nourish you with and then i want you to go for a walk and you're going to find a spot that you've never been before, that you didn't even know was here, but it's just the perfect spot to stop and contemplate how beautiful this farm and this world really is. So tell me what you see. I see in one direction, I see the view over the valley the back of the house just miles and miles and miles of rolling hills and oak trees and little white houses on the hills and then the other way I turn and I'm looking over my farm and the dogs are running around like idiots <laughs> and I I love leaves and grass blowing in the wind i love being able to see the wind when you when it moves across a field and you can literally see the wind moving and i get that here sometimes and it's mesmeric and beautiful and it's as close to you as you can get to touching god in my view it's you're actually watching his hand just moving the wind over your over the land i i, I adore that i love that vision That just gave me chills. That just gave me chills. I love that. So now you find someone who is somewhere on your property, maybe picking grapes. And they say to you, I just want to tell you how much this is helping me and how this has changed me just, just being here. And, And you can see in their eyes how sincere they are and how much you've really helped and changed them. And I want you to soak that feeling in for a moment. As they're just saying, thank you. Thank you so much. It's it's indescribable. It's 
it's like your whole, it's like every sense in your body comes alive. It's, you can, it's, it's like a, you, you can almost see it. It's, mm-hmm. it's radiant. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's radiating out of them and into mm-hmm. you. And you just feel that, feel that. And then something mm-hmm. unexpectedly wonderful happens. Something you weren't looking to, to have happen, but it just fell out of the sky, pure grace, nothing you did to deserve or earn it. It just came to you. What has happened? <laughs> my friend and neighbor has just arrived with my first case of red wine. Mm. He's just arrived and he said, hey, look, it's in the bottles. Wonderful. First case of red that's been produced from my farm. So there's a party happening tonight. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, there's a party happening tonight. Absolutely. So I want you to see you've strung up lights and... The, you know, you've got the neighbors are there, people from, from, from around, but also your family's there. Everyone that you really care about has come for this moment. Yeah. And you crack open that first bottle and I want you to just take a whiff. Yeah. Yeah. You can taste it. Yeah. And let's have a toast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You can open your eyes. And if I want to. If you want to, yeah. You don't have to. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I heard you do with one, that with one of your guests. And I thought to myself, I wonder what I'll think. And I made a point of thinking, I'm not going to think anything. I want to do it all yeah. today. And see how it feels but the wonderful thing about it is it everything i've just said is achievable yeah there's nothing i've said that's 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 outrageous i didn't turn around and say you know i'm looking for a 50-foot clipper you know going around the caribbean with a host of you know you all hugh hefner's exes i i said <laughs> it, everything i've said is achievable and for me that's just exciting do you know what i mean it's wonderful it is really um, magical. That was, that was lovely. That was really lovely. Good. It is really magical, I've discovered. When you find that thing yeah. that you truly desire and that you realize, wait, that's not that much to ask. Yeah. That's not so crazy. Yeah, that's great. That feels really, really good. And yeah, as I said, my daughter will listen to this and be like, oh, my Lord. Oh, boy. Uh, he's, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> But I, I know what I, I know how much I'm looking forward to it because I can't wait to be a great granddad, not a great granddad, but a great grandfather. Yeah, I can't wait to be to, to be a good granddad. I'm so excited. Do you wow. think it's because yeah. you sort of want a, a a do-over? Is that part of it? No, now there's a really that just shows how sharp you are. Um, <laughs> A whip brain. I think there's someone described you as having a whip brain. Um, yeah, I think so a bit. Yeah, I think there were years where I look back now and realise an awful lot of time was wasted, and, and not being there enough for, for for my kids. And 
I love my my daughter and my son with all my heart. I'm proud of them both, in, unimaginably proud. They're, they're very different kids, but they kind of got there themselves a lot of it because I wasn't there for a lot of it. And so, yeah, I guess you're right. I think you're probably right. There is a certain amount of it is like a bit of a do-over. I've got, a, I've got another chance here to make a bit of a difference. So well spotted, well spotted. That's why, that's why you've got all the PhDs and all the letters after your name and all the other things. I know, I know. <laughs> well, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think a lot of us want to do over, you know, we we're looking for the yeah. rewind button. We're looking for the reset button. But the beautiful thing yeah. is that life does give us do overs. We just don't always see them. Yeah. And, you know, you may not get grandkids right away, but you may find other people to, to nurture and to mm-hmm. help raise them in a sense, you know, like you're talking about coaching. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what you do is you help the, our inner children. Yeah, no? I think there's a, I'm just going to keep the dogs out, she's like, ouch, no problem. Ouch, ouch, go on, both of you, ouch. Um, <laughs> I think there's a, that feeling when we were doing that exercise and, and the, the feeling that the, 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 the energy that resonates or comes out from someone who's saying thank you for helping, whatever. I've never really experienced that before. I've had people say thank you for this because you buy them a present or you give them something or you remember their birthday or you know what you help them change a flat tire. But I'm talking about that that feeling you get when you know you've actually changed the course of that person's life. Do you know the, the Ralph Waldo Emerson definition of success? Do you know this? Uh, no. Oh my God. I have it on my wall. Forgive me. Ralph Waldo Emerson, what a success. To laugh often and much, to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate the beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, that is to have succeeded. Well, that's perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. And that's the feeling you get when you help someone else. And and I, my only regret is that it took me the best part of 45, 46 years. <laughs> right there with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. However, we've got a big, we've got a big bright future ahead. So absolutely, we do. Absolutely, we do. Better, better 47 than 57, right? Uh, I just these these can be so powerful for me. And thank you so much for really opening yourself up to the process. I know um, sometimes people kind of pull themselves away from it. You know, it's like a little bit scary and they kind of step back from it and intellectualize it and stay up in their head. And I really felt that you, even though I know this can be hard, especially for men, <laughs> you really came down into your heart space for this. And I just really want to honor that. And thank you for that. That, makes, that, makes, that means a lot. Thank you very much for saying that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. So thank you so much for being here. And can you please... Yeah. Tell the folks at home where they can find more of your wonderfulness. Well, thank you. Um, so I'm on, at the moment, website and Instagram. So um, Intorcida is the name of my company, which is a bastardization of a Portuguese word. Torcida means twisted. And so I've put the word in in front of it just to annoy my Portuguese friends and make a non-existent Portuguese word. So Intorcida <laughs> means untwisted. So I N. T-O-R-C-I-D-A. So www.intorcida.com is my website where you can find lots of information about what I do. And at Intorcida is my Instagram feed. Facebook, 
still waiting to pluck up the courage to do that, slightly concerned that maybe one or two many skeletons in the closet to do Facebook. But I'm going to pluck, I'm going to take a brave pill at some point this year and do a Facebook page. But and, and this is a final thing to say. It's for me. It's not about promoting the brand. If people want to find out and get involved, that's great. But if someone phones me or emails me and says, hey, listen, do you have that list of signs that show someone's having a breakdown? Just get in touch. I will share it with them in a heartbeat. Everything I've learned, everything I know, I'm happy to share with anyone. That's wonderful. So I'm just going to like give you one last little uh, coach poke, like, like coaches Please. do. You know that everything you want is on the other side of your fear. And so you know now what you have to do next, right? It's the thing that's scary. Yeah. So- I know you're going to have a Facebook page soon and you're going to invite me to like it and I'm going to be the first to like it. Yeah, absolutely. You have my word. I will do a Facebook page. Fantastic. Facebook page. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on and um, just keep doing what you're doing. You do a wonderful job. I love your podcast. I love the format of it. So just thank you for everything, Audrey. I'm on it. I'm on it. Take care. Thank you so much for being here to witness that. After all, a story with no audience to receive it is like a plant with no soil to take root in. If you found this episode worthwhile, please pass it on. And if you've got a story the world just isn't quite getting, I'm here to help. Check out my website, thatsallowed.com, to get your free ideal scene meditation and start releasing your masterpiece today.